Hey there, Cryptid Keeper listener. Do you like podcasts? I really hope so, because you're listening to one right now. But uh, if you like podcasts, then I have some good news for you. There is a really great podcast out there called The Alexandria Archives. It's basically the South Sansard and Miskatonic University. It's a bi-monthly podcast set at Alexandria University, a place where a lot of strange things tend to go on. It's a world that is weird, strange, and hilarious. So if you like any of those things, it might just be for you. You can find the podcast on iTunes, and you can find it on their website at www.alexandriaarchives.com. That's A-L-E-X-A-N-D-R-I-A, archives, A-R-C-H-I-V-E-S, dot com. They're also on Twitter at W-H-A-U Signal. Check out Alexandria Archives right now and start listening today. Yeah, yeah, Wendigos. At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. Hey there, Cryptid Keepers. This is Addison. This is normally the part of the intro where I deliver some sort of creepy, strange little joke or something to take you into the episode, and don't worry, I will. It's coming. But first, I should issue a brief disclaimer going into the episode that some audio got a little bit mixed up in the production process. A microphone was not plugged in all the way, and it created a sort of strange sound quality, and we wanted to make sure you still got an episode, so here it is. But I wanted to warn you that this will not be the crisp audio quality you are accustomed to in your cryptic keeper consumption. Please enjoy our episode on the Nandi Bear. And if the sound quality starts to bother you, just pretend we're recording from inside a very spooky well. Sometimes the only thing a Care Bear cares about is how fast it can eat you. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Cryptic Keeper Podcast, the podcast for cryptids and their keepers. That's us. And if you're listening at home or elsewhere, that means you too. I'm Alex Flanagan. And I'm Addison Peacock. And as we've said before, anywhere you listen to the Cryptid Keeper is home. Because anywhere there's cryptids, there's a home. You know, if there's smoke, there's fire. If there's a horrifying, possibly real monster, it's... There's a home. There's a home. There's a home. There's a home for everyone. And the real home is in your chest. That oh. was a Captain Hammer deep cut for you. Oh, okay. I was going to say, um, yes, but also what's living in there? A home for whom? Eh? Whomst is there? We don't know. These intros keep getting weirder and weirder, and I apologize for that. Maybe next time we should just dive right in. <laughs> Who can say? Anyway, that's what I'm going to do right now. I am the keeper of this week's cryptid, and I was doing some thinking, um, because <laughs> since I literally decided on this cryptid uh, this morning, I had a lot of time to think about it. And we have explored a whole bunch of cryptids by this point from all over the place, and I try to pick my cryptids in such a way that I'm never really repeating an area twice, and I also like to have something that's not too similar to whatever we just talked about last week. So in this case, um, I was thinking and thinking and thinking, and you know, I've done a bunch of sky cryptids, I've done a bunch of water-based cryptids, um, and we've tackled some land cryptids, but I was trying to think of maybe areas that we haven't covered so far. So instead of sticking to my typical like Appalachian or Irish sort of home base in terms of cryptid talking, I wanted to get away from the Eurocentrism and I decided to pick an African cryptid. Oh, awesome. 
Yeah, so today we are talking about the Nandi bear. The Nandi bear? Isn't that like the cutest name it's in the really entire cute. world? Is it cute? Um, it's cute. It's also kind of dangerous. I mean, same. You're cute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, da- I'm a danger to no one but myself. Oh, fair. Um, um, the Nandi bear is more of a danger to other people, but, you know, we'll get into Maybe that. it has self-destructive habits, too. You don't know. That's possible. Um, oh, man. Nandi bear, are you all right? <laughs> if you're listening to this, we just want you to know there's help. There are people who care about you. Oh, boy. I was going to say, I think the only... um. Uh, African cryptid was the, we talked about the tree in Madagascar in the carnivorous trees episode, but we haven't really... Yeah, other than that, I don't think we've really touched on it. Um, yeah. I think we said there were some sightings of Ahul tangential creatures in yeah. parts of Africa, but this is going to be one that is like squarely in Africa, Kenya specifically. Okay, awesome. So, can you feel the love tonight? Not oh there. my god. If Elton John has never used that as a tagline for international tours, then I don't want to live oh, on this planet anymore. my god. God, please use that as like the opener, like the text of the the preview text for this episode. Can you feel the love tonight? <laughs> oh God. Okay. Yep. Okay. So I'm gonna read my intro straight out of uh, an account called strangeaccounts.tumblr.com. Ooh, I'm it is a Tumblr. Out. Yes, but it's really yeah. cool. It's full of a creepy collection of ghostly stories, bizarre occurrences, and paranormal phenomena. I mean, it's not as if I don't pull a lot of my uh, first person sightings from Reddit. So fair. So here we go. Reports of the Nandi bear have been coming out of Western Africa from as early as the 1900s. However, the native people have been encountering the beast for much longer. The creature takes its name from the Nandi people, which call Western Kenya their home. The Nandi people call the creature Kent, and believe that when the Nandi bear takes a human life, it only does so to eat the brains. Oh, well, that's... Described as being about the same size as a large lion and resembling that of a hyena with a brownish red to a dark color coat, the name Nandi Bear can be a bit misleading. The name comes from two factors. It's frequent sightings by the Nandi people and its apparent bear-like facial features and stride. The only known bear species in Africa, the Atlas Bear, which lived some distance away in the Atlas Mountains, is said to have gone extinct some time ago due to overhunting by the Roman Empire, leaving us with one question. What is the Nandi bear. I thought that read like a very good like Discovery Channel like open (laughs) intro, so I just thought I'd go with it. It's very good. I like it a lot. Yeah, so there's a lot that I find interesting about this. Um, The number one sentence that stood out to me, I'll get to in a second, because maybe you have one that was interesting to you. Well, I just, you you ran right over me and wouldn't let me say until you were done, which I respect. I know, because it makes you laugh and it was hilarious. I respect the dedication. I was just going to say, oh, so it only only eats people to eat the brains. I mean, who among us hasn't done that? (laughs) Whomst among us has not done this thing? Who among us hasn't done the completely justifiable action of, of killing a person only to eat their brain. Also, that's wasteful. My favorite part, actually, was the half of that sentence that came just before it, which was the 90 people call the creature Kent. <laughs> Kent sounds like, I don't a, know why. It's like a stepdad I, name. It is a stepdad name. He's a stepdad who works in IT. He'll fix your computer up good. And eat your brain. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Kent. <laughs> He'll uh, defrag your hard drive and feast on your living brain. Pretty much. Um, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of stepdads that look like bears. I, I think just, it's not unusual to assume there that this one... are probably plenty of stepdads that are bears. That's also fair. In many senses of the word. Um, That's, like, literally what the entire Dream Daddy dating simulator is yeah. about, right? That's the plot of that game. Yeah, also, like, in this age of food waste... I gotta say, it's not really okay to kill an entire human being and just eat the brain. That's a lot of body that you're not accounting for. Well, you'll have to take it up with your mother. <laughs> 
Kent, <laughs> you're not my dad, Kent. Kent, God, Kent. All right, let's deep dive a little further with the Nandi Bear. This is coming to you from paranormalencyclopedia.com. Awesome. If it's an encyclopedia, you know you can trust it, right? Oh, yeah. That's the rules. That's what I learned in library class as a kid. Considered Africa's most vicious beast, the Nandi Bear is a cryptid named for the Nandi people among whom it was reported to have lived in western Kenya. Obviously. It also had various other names, including the Chimosit, Kerit, Duba, Kikambangwe, and Sabruku. Mm. Because the descriptions given by those who witnessed it have been consistent since ancient times, and because it was cited by Europeans and Westerners in addition to African tribes, there seems to be little reason to doubt the actual existence of a ferocious nocturnal carnivore. That's my favorite thing about the Nandi Bear, actually, as I got into reading it, is that, kind of similarly to the Ahul, people don't really disbelieve the fact that this thing is probably out there. Well, it's yeah. just that we don't have concrete proof of it yet. Well, Science makes it difficult to believe that it exists simply because the only bear creatures that we know of existing there are long since extinct. But that doesn't mean that there's not a species out there that just has yet to be, you know, sort of definitively proven. Yeah, well, didn't you say it uh, shares characteristics with the hyena? With hyena, with the lion, yeah. with, we'll get into this later, but it also is said by some people to be a sort of primate creature. Yeah. So really, it seems to me like the Nandi bear is a thing that is just not really quite a bear and has just sort of been misidentified yeah. with this term, but that is very much a real species living out there. Yeah, as far not, as the brain eating, not so sure. Who knows? But it's not as if it's not a continent where there are a lot of different species of carnivorous mammals. Like Heck, there are a lot of people and like tribes and groups and civilizations in that area that just wish to remain completely off the grid. So it's not, you know, out of the realm of possibility to think that this creature just hasn't been accounted for yet. Yeah. We know for a fact, actually, that there are thousands, if not millions of species out there that we have yet to identify. Absolutely. We just haven't cataloged the Naughty Bear yet. But we know. We know. We see you, Kent. I mean, only recently the Quokka was officially identified. Yeah, I think I saw something about that. Um, which, if you don't know what a quokka is and you want to take a break from uh, spooky animals, you should Stay really uh, you really should Google image this thing. It looks it looks like a it's for I don't have another way to describe it except that it looks kind of like a teddy bear dog. Um, it's a really good little critter friend. That's very important, and I love that. Yeah, but new what I'm saying is new mammals are being identified all the time. Like, um, yeah, absolutely. According to the legends, the beast ate only the brains of its victims, both human and animal, and could decimate herds of cattle and sheep. To this day, some of the locals believe the Nandi bear is lurking about, though there have been few reported sightings. Mm. All right, so here's my next question. How big do you think this thing is, just by what we've talked about so far? Probably, like, big dog-sized. Big dog-sized? Big dog-sized. Yeah, that's pretty close. That's that's pretty right. I... I okay. had a difficult time picturing this thing before I really looked into it, just because it was talking about its ability to decimate entire herds of cattle and, like, its ferocity and oh, yeah. its danger as a predator. But this thing is generally between four and six feet tall, if it were to stand up on its hind legs. Huh. Yeah, it resembles a powerfully built, upright, tree-climbing hyena. So apparently yeah. it does walk around from time to time, like, upright. Um, yeah, you know how bears kind of sometimes do? Like, they lump yeah. around, and then the bears will do that weird thing where they just stand straight up and square their shoulders and look at you. <laughs> it's so yes, weird. But the idea of a more candid creature doing that is really distressing to me. Also, 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 just with the uh, emphasis on brain eating, I do have to take a quick little sidebar just to say one quick thing. Like, can I just toss this out at you real quick? <laughs> yeah, go for it. Zombears. Zombears! Oh, that's an amazing Kevin Smith movie waiting to happen. Are you ready for Zombears? I don't know if you can say amazing Kevin Smith movie. 
Um, that seems like a seems a little bit like an oxymoron. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you're absolutely I'm right. Also, there are people Smith. that I wouldn't necessarily trust to make like a culturally sensitive movie about like Kenyan mythology. And I just also want to make sure that the uh, feature film Zombears is in the right hands. Who would you trust to make Zombears? Who's your dream team for Zombears? Um, maybe uh, oh, it's really tricky. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I don't know. See, like, I want to, and the problem is that I cannot name enough, like, creative teams of specifically Kenyan origin off the top of my head, which is mostly a problem with me and not at all a problem with, like, the field. There was a directing team, um, oh, no, I don't remember the name. There was, there was a directing team that I read about recently from Kenya, and now I'm kicking myself because I don't remember their name. I'm gonna have to, like, look it up and tweet it out later because I watched a short film recently, a short, I was watched one of them named Kent. No, I wish I watched a horror short in recent years by, um, a directing team. At least one of them was from Kenya. I don't remember if they both were. And now I'm really mad at myself because I don't remember their names. Eh, we'll fix uh, it in it's post. fine. We'll fix it in post. Anyway, that was just an admission from me that I need to oh, no, my it's horizons fine. in terms of movie production teams. I do. I do too, honestly. So the Nani bear powerfully built upright tree climbing hyena. Between four and six feet tall with high front shoulders and a sloping back. So this isn't sort of like the typical dog shape that we're thinking of. um, Because dogs are pretty parallel, right? (gasps) We're thinking more along the lines of bears and (laughs) like... Dogs are pretty parallel. Dogs are pretty parallel. Or like, um, you know the the wargs in like the Lord of the Rings movies? How they sort of have like those really strong muscular front legs. Um, And then like the back slopes. Hey, you know know what this thing sounds like? Hmm. It sounds a lot like a previous episode of this show. Sounds a lot like a hellhound. Mm. They slope. <laughs> They're slopey boys. <laughs> yeah, no, they do. But I think this is... This is Hellhounds have different. a distinct angle to them. They do, actually. That's the biggest difference between dogs and hellhounds is the parallelism. Uh, there are a lot of parallels between dogs and hellhounds, but parallels are not one of them. <sighs> anyway, it also has a long pointed head and snout, said to be similar to that of the American brown bear. Aww. I know, right? It's super cute. So back on the bear side of things, several theories attempt to explain the mystery of the Nandi bear because there are no bears in existence in Africa today. However, bears living in Africa have been mentioned in the writings of, take a guess, I don't, I don't Pliny know. the Elder. Pliny the Elder! A Roman scholar alive from 23 to 79 AD. And in the writings of a scholar from the 17th century, who is here unnamed. I'm not sure, like, how does it feel to play second fiddle to Pliny the Elder, scientific genius? Pliny the Elder is iconic. <laughs> That's true. Uh, name a more iconic duo. I'll wait. Pliny the Elder and uh, medical cannibalism, name a more iconic duo. <laughs> Very um, good. The only bear known to be native to Africa is, as we discussed, the now extinct Atlas bear. And most cryptologists are in agreement that the Atlas bear was strictly a northern bear with a readily apparent bright orange belly. Aww. Some believe the Nandi bear to be a previously unknown species of aardvark or a large baboon. What? Yeah, that kind of took a weird turn. Aardvarks? Have you ever seen an aardvark in real life? <laughs> no, I just want to say like bears. I right? saw I saw one at the Chicago Zoo uh-huh. for the first time. I I had never actually looked at. I'd seen drawings and renderings and all that sort of thing. I've never actually looked at an aardvark before. They are nightmarish looking. They are. They're pretty weird, weird. and. The only, all I can, oh God, it's so much worse if it's a type of aardvark. You know what I'm thinking about right now? 
You know what I'm thinking about it right now? It sticks its long aardvark tongue out through your ear and stuck to your brain. Well, I was thinking that it somehow <laughs> like made a, like cracked your yeah cracked your ah. skull open and then like slurped out no. your brain with its, with its long um, okay. tubular tongue. So I think I can scientifically confirm. With its proboscis. I can confirm simply because this is what I most want. My headcanon, and you better accept it, is that the Nandi bear has a tongue like that. It has an aardvark it's tongue. It's got a mammalian proboscis it's very good which is a phrase that i never thought i'd say and and upsets me on a deep cellular level i think it's awesome um but the pointed face makes me think of an aardvark aardvarks have extremely pointed faces that's fair it does say that it has a pointed snout and i think that if i'm thinking of things with pointy snouts or the word snout in general i'm thinking of aardvark like creatures really quick sidebar have you ever seen, like, the original Arthur books before he yes. didn't look like an aardvark anymore? What happened to him? Well, you know what happened to him. <laughs> I mean, the beauty standards of Hollywood caught up to this no, child. No, I was thinking of that terrible, terrible meme I showed you about 20 seconds before we started recording. <laughs> no, I just meant that Arthur used to have an aardvark Arthur, are nose. are you okay? <laughs> I just don't mean that Arthur in the original, like, some of the first books used to have the long aardvark snout. And now is unrecognizable as an aardvark and looks more like some kind of monkey or some other flat-faced sort of mammal. And I just want to know why um, Hollywood had to enforce its beauty standards on Arthur the aardvark. Um, look, I don't know, but there's a lot going on on in Arthur the Aardvark. Like, there is some weird shit on Arthur. Have you ever looked up, like, the episode where Matt Damon was on Arthur? <laughs> How about the episode where Neil Gaiman is on Arthur and um, uh, Fern has a hallucination of Neil Gaiman sitting in her falafel? Let's talk about my very favorite episode of Arthur, oh celebrity cameo-wise, which is an episode in which two very iconic musicians appear, and Arthur doesn't have any reference point for the concept of, like, a musical battle, like a musical duel to people, like, playing off each other. And so in his mind, the only thing he can conceive of when these two musicians are like said to be coming to town is literally a cage match between Yo-Yo Ma and acclaimed saxophonist Joshua Redman. And they are both depicted in Arthur illustration style, literally wrestling with their instruments. Oh my god. It is bananas. Um, no, it's um, Arvark Seat Ants. That's not even a funny joke. You can't do anything with that. Uh. <laughs> Jokes don't have to be funny. They just have to be. Um, they just have to subvert expectation. Laughter is the sound of surprise. All comedy is derived from fear. Um, well, I, for one, was surprised that that joke wasn't funny. So I guess <laughs> oh. you win. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm so sad. Uh, Here's a sentence that I really love. Give me. The fiercely aggressive prehistoric hyena family oh. comprised many more species than I recognize today. One species, hyena breverostris, was very large and built like a bear, with a face also resembling that of a bear, unlike oh. more recent hyena species whose face resemble a dog's. Some researchers propose that the Nandi bear was related to this hyena species. Ooh. Yeah, we talk a lot, and actually it seems to come up a lot when I'm in charge of cryptids. I guess this is just a theory that I really enjoy, is the idea of divergent evolutionary trees and the fact that maybe, like, we sort of assume that this species of hyena is extinct when in reality it just adapted over time to a point where it's largely unrecognizable. But I think that biology pointing to things having very clear ancestral patterns makes a lot of sense to me when we're talking about cryptozoology. Oh, yeah. Because it makes a lot more sense to think that something evolved weirdly to its environment rather than to think that something just disappeared completely. Oh, yeah. That it makes a great deal of sense. And particularly... It is, again, an environment wherein there are a lot of species of hyena. What's one more? 
I know that's very reductive of me, but like, what's one more entire species? But you know what I mean? Like, what's one more species of hyena that we just haven't identified yet? Yeah, I mean, that's totally possible. But yeah, I think it's, I think it's plausible is what I'm saying. Like on this point in the episode, as well as earlier in the episode and every other point in every episode ever, I'm leaning firmly on the side of this thing is real. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, Now I would believe that reports of it have been greatly exaggerated, but... Mm, I don't think anyone would just like... Do you think people would do that? Just go on the internet and tell lies? (laughs) Yeah, that is what I kind of think they would. Everything you read on the internet is true. Please stop. (laughs) Do do not. Do not say this thing. Everything on the internet is true. Every single thing. Um, I'm so sorry. It's all good. So I'm repeating myself a lot in this episode because every single article about the the Nandi bear really likes to start off with this whole, there are no bears in Africa, but what if there was a bear in Africa? (laughs) And it's like very silly to me, but they're all phrased so well that I hate to cut any of them off because these people clearly spent a lot of time on their intro sentences. Yeah. Like they went to writing lab. They sent this to their advisors. Like they went through some stuff. So coming to you from the cryptid zoo, which is newanimal.org, a site that I actually really enjoy. All of their stuff is always very well put together. Do not put cryptids in a zoo. We literally call ourselves cryptozoologists. What do you think that word means? Not that we're putting them in a zoo. The day we cage Mothman is the day I die, because before that... Sidebar? Here's something that makes me furious. Oh, boy. I have seen an article going around on the internet. Oh, no. From Playboy magazine. Uh-huh. Which... Basically, the the tagline goes something about, like, a report of Chicago's infamous Mothman. (gasps) Let's get one thing straight. It is Chicago's nothing. (laughs) The Mothman does not, has not, and never will belong to the city of Chicago. Nothing against you, Midwesterners. Chicago is a great city. It's a great mothless city. I mean, there are moths in Chicago. Relinquish your hold on what West Virginia has been able to claim as its only national treasure. All right? Or I will come out there and I will fight you. Alex, West Virginia... I will fight the entire city of Chicago. Alex, West Virginia does have another national treasure. It's you. Oh, that's so sweet. (laughs) But in all seriousness, (laughs) Chicago, you can have deep dish pizza. You can't have this. Yeah, you can have the Cubs. You can have your deep dish. You can have improv comedy. There are so few things that West Virginia is allowed to be proud of. Let us have this, okay? Chicago, you got Obama. (laughs) Let us have Mothman. Come on. Give a state a break, all right? And also, just because he visits Chicago does not make him yours. Yeah, okay, so we'll get to this when I'm finally ready to do a Mothman episode, because I clearly have a lot of feelings. Yeah. But, like, whatever you guys think you're seeing in Chicago, it's not Mothman. And there are very specific reasons for that. Um, anyway, that went some places, and I apologize. Do you think people listen to this show to not have tangents? <laughs> uh, not for long. <laughs> I was going to say, name an episode of Cryptid Keeper that hasn't had multiple tangents. You can't. You really cannot. (laughs) All right, let's get back on topic here. Yes. If the Nandi tribe were the only ones to report this creature, it might be easily dismissed as a creature of folklore. But this is far from the truth. European settlers and explorers have also reported seeing the Nandi bear. 
often from so close that their descriptions could not be due to a mistaken observation of an ordinary animal. They could only be the truth, or outright lies, or hallucinations. <laughs> I just love, it could be the truth, or a lie. It could only possibly be the truth. Or a lie. Or a hallucination. Yes, those are your options. Thank no, you, Krypton Zoo. I love that. There's a lot to unpack in that sentence, not the least of which is the idea that this thing is legitimized by the fact that European settlers have seen it. That's really not messed great. up. Not great. I don't like However, that. However, I think what they're trying to present it as in a horribly flawed way is saying that if only locals had seen it, it could be attributed to like a local cultural folkloric tradition. Like a local legend, yeah. And since people from such a disparate culture have also reported seeing it in much the same way. Like, I get that they're saying like that people who don't know yes, the legend are it's seeing it. It's very badly. Yeah, it's phrased very, very badly it's to not be like, good. if the Europeans see it, then it must be real. No. Or outright lies. <laughs> to be fair, that's not an incorrect statement. The, I mean, to be fair, the European settlers and, and travelers told a lot of lies. Um, and according to this website, what they saw, what they describe in detail, sounds exactly like a bear, even right down to its postures and mannerisms. Ooh. Like most tropical bears, the Nandi bear is small, probably not exceeding five feet in height when standing on its hind legs. <laughs> it is adept at tree climbing and often uses this talent to escape from people. Almost all witnesses describe it as brown in color. In fact, it resembles the European brown bear, which is exactly the same species as the American brown bear or grizzly and is found in Asia as well as Europe. Okay, so I know a five-foot-tall bear could still just absolutely maul me to pieces, but here's the thing. When I imagine that, all I can think is that it's perfect size for me to hug. It is the perfect size for you to <laughs> hug if you like not having your brain in your body. <laughs> I mean... If the Nandi bear exists, what could it be? Some researchers have suggested that it is a surviving remnant population of the Atlas bear. Which, probably not. If it is, like, a surviving bear, it's probably not the Atlas bear. The Atlas bear lived in northern Africa in former times, but the last specimens were supposedly hunted to extinction in Morocco in the 1820s. Mm. In addition, the Atlas bear was only supposed to live in the north, but the Nandi bear is reported from the forests of East Africa. Also, the Atlas bear is supposed to be horrible at tree climbing and to have brownish black fur on its upper side. That's so bright rude. orange fur on the underside. These problems make it less likely to be an Atlas bear, but you never can tell. It's not like those nerd bears. It's good at climbing trees. So rude, right? It's like, well, it might be an Atlas bear, except uh, rumor mill is the Atlas bear sucks at climbing. So. That's so rude. Mean. I'm also very curious, and this is not related to anything, so mm -hmm. I don't expect too many details. I'm just curious as to the uh, the nomenclature of the Atlas Bear and where that came, like where it got its name, because that's it makes me think of of Atlas like holding up the world, and I'm like that doesn't seem to have anything to do with oh, this bear. He's so small. He's a little boy. He's a little guy. <laughs> uh, my guess is it had something to do with like the people who named it just having traveled that far for the first time in their Charles very Atlas lives. named the Atlas Bear. Jim Atlas, the <laughs> Atlas Bear. Anyway, another possibility is that it's simply the European okay. brown bear. Some members of the species have been reported as weighing less than 200 pounds. Since tribal tales of the Nandi bear stretch back into the distant past, it's unlikely that Nandi bear lore could be due to a population of European bears planted in Africa by modern Europeans. The Nandi bear <laughs> could have entered Africa naturally via the Middle East thousands of years ago. Until recent decades, small-sized examples of the European brown bear lived in Israel, Iran, and many areas of the Middle East. As long as it wasn't high desert and didn't have too many people, bears could live there. Sorry, European bears planted in Africa. Can you imagine bear-based colonialism? Uh, well, I like even more that it's implying that it's a bear sleeper cell planted from the Middle East. Yeah, what? <laughs> no. I don't think so. I hope not, because that's a really fun way to fuck with the natural ecosystem. Like, 
Yeah, I, we gotta keep plowing through. I know, you're right, I'm sorry, I just... Thousands of years ago, when the Middle East had more wild areas and fewer people, the European brown bears in southern Israel may have found a way to cross the intervening desert to Egypt, perhaps in a time when that year's rains had been abundant. From the fertile areas of Egypt close to the Nile, they could have traveled southward and found hospitable forests in eastern Africa to establish a small population. Then, the surging human population could destroy the northerly populations that linked the Middle Eastern brown bears with the African Nandi bears. Cut off from genetic input and living in a new climate, these bears would develop some adaptations even in just a few hundred years, such as becoming small. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love so much. <laughs> such as becoming small. Such as becoming small. Oh. So basically, the rest of this article goes on to continue, to continue to do much the same thing, proposing how it could be a certain species of bear, and then dismantling its own argument. Um, I'm not going to go through all of them just because we went kind of way off the <laughs> no, charts I'm there. No, it's I'm not, not going to apologize. For brilliance. Um. <laughs> a different argument is that the Nandi bear is an undiscovered species of giant baboon, which does not oh. fit in well with most of the sightings made. Well, it says it doesn't at least fit with most of the sightings made by Westerners. People with European ancestry, however, are very likely to label the Nandi bear as a bear, especially when they see it close up. The Nandi tribesmen, though, have always said the Nandi bear is some sort of monkey. This is understandable if the creature is a bear because of how people perceive animals. People who had no experience with bears would have to compare it to something else. And it's known that native people in areas with bears, but without monkeys, often say the bear is the animal that looks the most like a man. I, I don't know why this is, but a monkey that eats human brains is infinitely more terrifying to me than a bear that does it. Well, if there's a monkey that eats human brains, then it's really just a long-standing revenge campaign against that horrible, horrible scene in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. <laughs> I mean, it, monkey brain. I mean, it seems like it's been going on for longer than that, but probably. But I mean, what else are they hiding from us? How long ago was Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom really made? Where's the real Temple of Doom it was based on? How long have they been eating those monkey brains? Oh my God! Where is Indiana Jones to make a comment? Yeah, let's get Indiana Jones on here next time. Where is Professor Indiana Jones? <laughs> Professor um, Jones was unavailable for comment. Um. Uh. But I just. The more humanoid Professor Henry Jones yeah, Jr. Yeah, no, you got to be specific. Um, the uh, God Indiana is not his Christian name. But the more human-like something is that is carnivorous of people, the more upsetting I find it. Just like um, just any I, I I find this is a weird thing to say, but I'm kind of scared of monkeys. So I shouldn't say monkeys. I should say apes, uh, like chimpanzees and other varieties of apes. I find really really unsettling they live in kind of a naturalistic uncanny valley for mm -hmm. me i don't like watching them do stuff with their hand feet and i don't like their hairless faces and i don't they make me so nervous and so i think the idea of the nandi bear being in fact some type of ape that uh eats the brains of human beings it really distresses me i don't like it i don't like it at all it's very much, yes. It's not good, Alex. It's no, it's not. Rise of the Planet of the Apes Part 3 got really dark. <laughs> the Nandi Bear is just Andy Circus roaming around in his capture <laughs> suit. I love Andy Circus so much. Andy Circus. If we could ever get Andy Circus on this show, I could come to full emotional. Honestly, life. my the two greatest Hollywood treasures, in my personal opinion, are Doug Jones and Andy Circus. Because any monster on television or or like in a movie that you've ever seen was either played by Andy Circus in a motion capture suit or Doug Jones in a lot of uh, practical effects makeup, and that's it. Imagine what they could do together. I think about it. You say this <laughs> if I don't think about that every night before I fall asleep. 
Oh my god, wait, look, I'm looking at Addison's laptop, and there is a folder here just for Doug Jones' Andy Serkis fan fiction. <laughs> Excuse me, Addison? It's I'm about, not gonna kink shame you, but... It's not that kind of fan fiction, it's about them riding in a hot air balloon across the world, around the world in 80 days together. Oh my god, that's so good. It's about remaking every movie in the American film canon, starring just Andy Serkis and Doug Jones as all the parts. Yeah, we're getting all of these Stephen King remakes right now, and here's a concept for you. What if Stephen King but to Andy Serkis? Oh, oh my god, I want Doug Jones to play... Every like, monster in Salem's Lot, so it yes. looks like an actual scary movie? Yes! Actually, I, I, that's literally what I was gonna say. Yeah. I also just want Andy Serkis to play. Let's do something. Let's mix it up. He can play Carrie. In a I would watch Andy Serkis as Carrie. <laughs> but the thing is, she's all CGI. It's Andy Serkis as a CGI teenage girl. As a motion capture girl. <laughs> what do teen girls look like? We don't know. We have to get this guy to play one. <laughs> I'm so, this is a weird episode. This is like in the realm of New Jersey Gator Man. Well, let's ride um, the circus train back to Nandi Town. <laughs> Frank W. Lane, and I don't know who that is, but he wrote... What the abominable snowman is to Asia, or the great sea serpent is to the oceans, the Nandi bear is to Africa. It is one of the most notorious of those legendary beasts which have, so far, eluded capture and the collector's rifle. That's a cool quote, right? Thank, thank, one, amazing quote, and two, thank God it's avoided the collector's rifle. Yeah, um, glad to know this. Is the theory that there's just one Nandi bear or that it's a species? Because that makes it it's sound like it's... a species. It's, it's okay. believed to be a species. Um, I it, when it's saying so. the Nandi bear, it's hmm. more like the way we would say, like, ah, oh, man's best friend. Or like, dog. How there's say, not like, one dog. Yeah, we'd say, like, the albino rhino. Like, yeah, hmm. exactly. Um, um, my new indie band name, by the way. <laughs> Albino Rhino. Um, I had a lot of people actually from the last episode telling me that they really wanted to listen to my cool like emo core Appalachia folk band. Here's the thing. I'm into it. It's an untapped market. It is though. Um, a couple references on pop culture and yes. then we'll get into my favorite part of the episode. Oh, I'm ready. The Peculiar Exploits of Brigadier Fellows, a collection of contemporary fantasy stories by Sterling E. Lanier, includes a short story called His Only Safari in which the title character briefly cites a carrot, if you remember that's one of the names for the Nani Bear, and speculates that such creatures formed the basis for the Egyptian legends of Anubis. Oh, I like that. Very interesting. A pointed snout walking on two legs. Yeah. Oh, I'm into it. Also, the more I see the word carrot written out, K-E-R-I-T, it occurs to me that what we saw as Kent was probably a typo. <laughs> and oh, I really hope it. that's not true. I want to believe this thing is called <laughs> Kent, but I feel like maybe that was just bad spell check. I think autocorrect made it that i really don't think it's called kent i think it's probably carrot well kent is not his given name but it's what he has chosen <laughs> here we go here's another one um in tarzan number 134 from gold key comics oh, march boy. 1963 features tarzan meeting and later battling a nandi bear <laughs> oh. which is pictured as a shaggy sloth bear like creature with floppy ears like a cocker spaniel oh sorry that was a weird sound but i'm just delighted by that sounds cute i love everything about that sounds, that. that sounds like tea kettle or levels of cute oh yeah i love that um anyway yeah so it's it's got a lot going on what's your favorite part of this podcast alex my favorite part of this podcast is where i am going to read you about some sightings <gasps> sightings oh man oh, yeah sorry sighting, i diverted sighting, you so sighting, much sighting, it took, I, I diverted you so many times okay that picture is a straight up hyena that looks like one of the hyenas it's in the Lion King. It's got a more bear-like face, though. Okay. It just it just looks like the hyenas in the Lion King to me. Mm, not gonna worry about like it. Like, it's gonna start talking in Whoopi Goldberg's voice any moment. <laughs> um, right. Whoopi Goldberg as Kent the Naughty Bear. Uh, this is a cool article I found called, 
and this is a great title, which is probably the reason I love it so much. The brain-eating bear that haunted the Nandi. Oh. So, strap in. Get ready for story time with me. Sometime in 1925, a six-year-old girl disappeared from a small village in the Uasin-Gishu district. She had been pulled violently through the fence of thorns that surrounded the village. The bloodied thorns suggested that chances of finding her alive were certainly nil. If they found her body, they would find her scalped and her skull cracked open. Chamoset, the brain-eating terror that roamed the night, had struck again. Damn. In response, the colonial government sent in Captain William Hitchens, an officer with the Intelligence and Administrative Services of East Africa. Hitchens was an adventurer with numerous encounters hunting beasts in East Africa. In 1900, he had reported sighting a small biped animal called Agagwe somewhere in the Wambari Plains in Tanganyika. Once he arrived in Uasangishu, Hitchens set about establishing where the animal lived. The villagers believed it lived five miles out, and the erstwhile explorer sent out to hunt with his hunting dog. The hunt turned out unfruitful on the first few nights, but then the beast found him. Uh. <laughs> One dark night a few days later, Hitchens was startled from sleep by a blood-curdling scream and a commotion outside that was bringing his tent down. By the time he escaped from the mess, all he could see was a trail of blood. The rope he had used to tether his dog to the hunting <gasps> pole was still there, but the dog was gone. No! The trail also had paw prints, a few times larger than a man's hand or a lion's paw and showing imprints of claws, but what stuck in Hitchens' mind was the scream. The most awful howl I have ever heard split the night. The sheer, demoniac horror of it froze me still. Never have I heard, nor do I wish to hear again, such a howl. One of the earliest recorded accounts of the Nandi bear was in 1905 when explorer oh. Jeffrey Williams encountered a beast in Waisengishu. The ferocious monster was heavily built and had a long, pointed head. It looked like a bear, he would later say, but bears had not been seen this far south in Africa for thousands of years. Williams did not talk about the frightening experience for seven years, and only then after oh. other sightings were reported. One of the most credible was by the District Commissioner of Eldoret, N.E.F. Corbett. While fishing in the Sirigoy River in March 1913, he encountered the beast, but survived to tell the story. It was evidently drinking and was just... Text got weird here. It was evidently drinking and was just below... Probably the surface? I don't know. Heard something going away and it shambled across the stream into the bush. At around the same time in 1913, builders of the Magadai Railway also reported being stalked by a monster. The beast's footprints were often found in the area around the construction site. The project engineer, G.W. Hicks, also faced the beast. His encounter led to one of the most detailed descriptions anyone had at the time. The animal that chased him was about as high as a lion. It was colored tawny, very shaggy, long hair, high withers, short neck, and a stumpy nose. Most of the accounts we have today are of European explorers and administrators, but tales of the animal did exist among the Nandi and other tribes. In 1913, C.W. Hobley wrote about a similarly frightening animal that had been killed in Gao in Tana River. Among the Lungwa, the predator decimated 67 goats by ripping out their brains in ah! 1919. That is a so much worse version of El Chupacabra. Right? And it's such a specific way to that kill is... a herd animal. Oh, that is nightmarish. Like, I can't imagine goats are that hard for a bear to kill. To do it that way seems really weird. That is upsetting. The last note on that is to say that the beast resembled a giant hyena with powerfully built shoulders, a sloping back, and a long pointed head and snout. The ears were noticeably short for such a large monster. It had, a thick, it had thick brown fur. It had large teeth and walked upright, ranging from four to six feet. Its feet must have been large, given the size of the footprints it left behind. Some sightings claimed the presence of a short tail, while most claimed the animal had no tail. 
the ferocious monster had an appetite for brains and always hunted at night. The phrase an appetite for brains is... Oh, it's a lot. It's not a good... a lot to deal with. It's not, like, pleasant to the senses. Mm -hmm. Um... Yeah, no, it's it's very much. Uh, One last thing in closing. Yes. Men hunted the beast, but no one ever caught it or showed its carcass. There was a rather unbelievable story that it had been killed by a charging rhino. Another story by Blaine Percival said that the beast had been trapped in a hut in 1914, and the hut burned down by villagers. <gasps> Three years later, a man called Harry Wa Mabruko described accompanying Maboni tribesmen as they hunted down the animal in 1917. With no carcass to show, all these sound like legends, and offer little credence to the theory that Chimosit, or the Nandi, was a bear. There was little agreement of whether it was the same animal or even members of the same species. The nights were badly lit in the days before electricity, and tales of monsters often formed a crucial part of folklore. Despite so many sightings, the Nandi bear has eluded hunters and scientists. The beast was last sighted, at least according to this account, in 1960, in Kipkabos, when it invaded a hut and chased a man called Angus MacDonald <laughs> for five minutes. After Angus MacDonald had it coming. Boy detective. He, de- he didn't deserve it. He never deserved this. He's a precious, <laughs> perfect boy. After that, the trail went cold, and there have been no recorded sightings for half a century. Did the species die out, or was the animal pushed further into the forest by human settlement? Today, the animal is classified a cryptid, or unconfirmed animal, and still evokes the interest of crypto hunters. Amazing. Love it. I love the Nandi bear. So that's all the information I've got for you on the Nandi bear, or the Chmosit, or Kent, if you will. Yes, I don't think it's supposed to be called Kent. I'm pretty sure it's Kent. I could really, really use, like, a gritty reboot of the Care Bears. Oh, God, no. The Nandi Bears? The Nandi Bears. That's, that's very much. And they uh, they have, um, they all just, like, the symbol on their chest instead of a heart, it's like a, it's a brain. It's just a brain. It's a human brain. Um, I want, actually, I'll tell you what I want, is I want, like, a movie that seems as if it's going to be a zombie movie, and then it turns out that the thing, like, hunting people eating their brains is actually not humanoid at all. It's like this bear thing. Done. Now, um, Henry... Henry Galley, you listen to this. You write scary stories. Well, now I just gave everybody the spoilers. Um, it's okay. Well, I, we'll fix it in post. I don't know that it's necessarily like an intriguing audio twist, though. It's like a, a no, visual it's thing, a, it's right? A fun like visual it's, a, twist. it's a fun visual twist. Well, realizing that, like, you like see the shadow heads. of this thing like shambling along on its hind legs, and you look out, and you're like, ah, it's a zombie, and then it's like, no, it's a bear, it's a zombie. <laughs> zombie. The opening shot of zombies. Zombies. Zombievers is already a movie. I feel like we can get this made. Zombievers is infinitely more playable than Zombievers. Anyway. Zombievers is an excellent movie. I don't want to hear any talk against Zombievers <laughs> in my house, but... How many of the beavers are played by Andy Serkis? Okay, true. I want... Not Doug, interested. Doug Jones and Andy Serkis to play the Zombears in Zombears. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Um, Now, do we have any announcements here, actually? Just, you know, the usual, keep uh, keep listening, keep submitting your stories to us via oh, yes. our DMs on the Facebook page or coming into our Facebook group, which is the Cryptid Keeper Appreciation Group. Mm-hmm. We have gotten some bonkers stuff in our Twitter DMs recently, yeah. and it is, like, awesome. Super fast. Like, some straight cinematic, like... Yeah, so keep your ears peeled. Yes. We're going to come up with that, uh, our listener, basically curated... Uh, Tales from Home, Crypto Keeper episode soon. And Some so there's still time, still time to get that in if you haven't sent us your story yet. So that'll be awesome. Yes, give us your uh, homegrown artisanal locally sourced cryptids, please. Thank you so much to all of our Patreon donors. Oh, yes. We've gotten a new influx of a few of them recently, and it's been way awesome. Um, let us know what you guys like about our Patreon so we can keep giving you more of it. 
right now, if you're not currently a member of our Patreon, joining will get you access to exclusive bonuses such as fanfiction, fanfiction read in silly voices, or I have a thing up there that's a list of cryptid-based cocktail recipes. Yeah, I've done some readings from classic literature as well as a reading from Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Also recently, we put up our first ever bonus episode. So there is a short Cryptid Keeper episode all for our Patreon donors about a neat little cryptid that we think you guys will really enjoy. One of the fearsome critters of the Lumberwoods, but yes. not a particularly fearsome it's one. Not, fearsome seems like a bit of a misnomer for this one. Possibly, um, but it's a lot of fun. Yes, and if you're not in our Facebook group, we recommend joining. It's a lot of fun. It is the Cryptid Keeper Appreciation Group. It's full of a lot of wholesome memes and uh, just genuinely good content and good community. People in the Facebook group also tend to get early access to whatever we're releasing next. So sometimes that will involve sneak peeks about what the episode might be. Sometimes it might involve getting early access to new merch that we're going to be rolling out soon. So get in on that. Oh, hey there. It's Addison again. Around this time, the audio became genuinely unusable. So I'm swooping in here to wrap it all up for the day, put a little uh, little bow on it and take you home. Thank you for sticking around and listening. I hope that you enjoyed the episode because I figured you would still want to hear the silly jokes and fun facts rather than missing out on an episode just because technology went a little wonky. So thank you for your patience. Thank you for listening. And just uh, some final notes. We have t-shirts coming out soon now. We have officially gotten in touch with someone to print said t-shirts. We are going to start the ordering process fairly soon, so please keep an eye out on our socials for that. We are on Patreon under The Cryptid Keeper. There are bonus episodes to come and a bonus episode available there now. There's a lot of bonus content and more to come. Your support means a lot to us. Thank you very much to everyone who's contributed. We are on Facebook under The Cryptid Keeper. We are on Twitter at CryptKeepPod. And we are on SoundCloud. We are on iTunes. We are anywhere you download podcasts. If there is a podcast app of sorts that we do not appear on yet that you would like to see us on, let us know and we will look into that. Again, thank you for your patience. As always, our music is by Andrew Giada. And as I say every week, we hope we can keep you around. And stay safe out there. <laughs>